Grab your Bibles or devices. Get to Mark chapter 9 and 10. Maybe that's on the same page for you, or you can put your thumb in there as we return to our journey through Mark. Took a pause for most of December to walk through the Advent series from the angle of uh, an ancient tent in the wilderness, the tabernacle, and, and John 1, where Jesus has said to have come and to tabernacle with us, to dwell with us. Let's return to our, our series through Mark, the upside-down kingdom. We left off in our journey at the end of Mark chapter 9 with the disciples arguing with one another about who among them was the greatest, which we found greatly ironic because Jesus was likely walking a few paces in front of them. Also convicting because we so often do the same as we move through life. We completely miss overlook or ignore the very presence of Jesus right in our midst, to be distracted by other things, earthly things, maybe even our own own pride or our own advancement. Jesus did not rebuke them, at least not yet. In In that moment, he sat down with them in grace and patience and taught them. In fact, he never rebuked them for the desire to be great. He he would rebuke them and continue to teach them about the way to greatness in the kingdom of God. And it was upside down from their perspective. The way to become great, according to Jesus, was to serve, was to give, was to create space for the last and the least, and even to pursue them and to be with them. How slow the disciples were to come to understand and to see the kingdom and to walk in it, which is both frustrating as those that claim to be disciples of Jesus, and encouraging that Jesus is still with us, drawing us in, and we can continue to grow throughout our days. Jesus then did something amazing and surprising while he taught them. What else is new? He took a child and brought the child, which, which means that families and children and all were, were gathering around him at this time, were following him, were a part of the crowds. If he could say, hey, hey young man, or little girl, would you come for a moment? Come here. And he took this child amongst them. Just, I mean, imagine that, that moment and what that must have been like for the child or for the family, for the community, and for the disciples. And he didn't use the child as a, a primarily to, to juxtapose that they were acting a little childish. In fact, he was, and they were maybe in some ways, but he was honoring the child amongst them. He was doing something that was very counter-cultural to make his point. Here's what it looks like to walk in the kingdom. You know, you're, you're striving for greatness in the ways of the world, who can be first and greatest and most powerful. A child doesn't strive for those things. Take this child as an example for us, and he taught them this. If anyone wants to be first, he must be very last and servant of all. It's Mark 9, 36. And he took this little child and had him stand among them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me only, but the one who sent me, God himself, God the Father. For Jesus to be great in the kingdom of God means welcoming and serving the last and the least, at least in the eyes and opinion of the world. Children weren't the only people marginalized in that society, just like in ours today. But even more so than ours today, and maybe sometimes we have that backwards where our whole lives and schedules is driven by our children. But in that day, they were dismissed and often derided. They had no place and no voice. 
amongst the community. Never. They had to come of age to even have presence. And even then, coming of age often meant well into 20s or even 30, arriving at adulthood or manhood to gain a place or a seat at the table. Not so for Jesus. Jesus said, welcome these. These are the ones that walk in the kingdom. Welcome them to my table to give them place. And this is a big reason we have symbolically and practically the table set up here in this space today. That as we come together as God's people, as we gather, we want to make a space for all and especially for our children. It says to, to, to our kids, I hope they hear us, that we love you, we value you, we care for you, and we want to serve you. Now, don't mistake me. We also believe that during this sermon or message time every week, creating a kid-appropriate message and time for them to learn and receive is also a way to say we love you, we value you, we care for you, and your parents. But we want to make it a regular rhythm to do, to do intentional things that our kids would, would never feel like they are excluded from community in God's family, in his kingdom. And this is a way to say, you are welcome. We love you. We care for you. And we'll keep trying to be creative in ways for you to engage. We know that ears hear even when doing other things, if parenting has taught us anything in life. So be blessed by the word of God, the reminder of his promises and his love for you. We create a space for you. We want to give you room to hear and to interact and to engage and have a voice. And there'll be a time in a moment to interact and share on a question that I have for you. In this passage, there's an incredible promise, not just the picture of, wow, upside down kingdom. And Jesus is actually welcoming and giving space and a voice. And in that, there is that that, that challenging rebuke and conviction, if the disciples would receive it, that the kingdom is open to all. And we need to even be more like a child in our faith. But there's an incredible promise here. Jesus says, when we welcome children like this, he will be with us. There I am in your midst. This is a promise meant to extend far beyond the earthly. Clearly, they must have wondered what what that meant. They, They still had no concept for the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. We now, on this side of all of those events, can receive this promise. Whoever welcomes one like this, welcomes me, receives me, and not just me, but the one who sent me. God himself will be in our midst. So this stretches us in our understanding, because one, we believe God is all places. He is here with us now. We don't need to pray, God, come meet with us. We need to pray, God, make us more aware of your presence. Your Holy Spirit is here. Help us to know you, draw near to you, submit to you, see you. But Jesus says there's something more happening when we act like this, when we see the last and the least, and it's not, not only children, but when we say, you are welcome, we honor you, we see you, you are a created soul and a person, a whole person, not a half person, with the ability to have the whole spirit of God dwelling in you. When we do this, when we welcome like this, we are inviting more greatly the kingdom presence amongst us. And isn't that the whole pursuit of us as a people, as the church, to create space to welcome God, to know him, to experience him together to commune with him. It's the whole storyline of scripture. It's what God has been pursuing from the beginning when that relationship was broken to restore communion with his people. We welcome the very presence of God in a tangible way, in a greater way by welcoming. Now to be sure that word welcome, dekomai in the Greek, is, is not simply allow them, permit them, tolerate them to be in your midst. It's intentional welcoming, hospitality, care. It was used in Matthew 10 for welcoming the stranger, a a traveling missionary into your home, opening up the home, listening, caring for, providing for. 
That same word is, is what is invoked in this welcome. It's an intentional action to see, to care for, and to ascribe value and worth. David Fitch, a former Alliance pastor, I have to be clearly enunciating his last name, especially when I have a mask on. David Fitch, former Alliance pastor, now author, professor at Northern Seminary. He wrote a book called Faithful Presence that many of us in the ministry team walked through a couple years ago. He boldly calls the practice of welcoming children in a community as a sacrament. Now, some would take offense at that potentially because there may only be a couple sacraments in historical church history. David Fitch opens up the idea of sacrament, sacred holiness to anything that welcomes the presence of God himself in our midst. And scripture speaks of it a number of times. This, he says, is one. If Jesus says, there I am in your midst, when you do this action, then that is sacramental. It's a holy action, recognizing the presence of God in our midst. That should open up our minds to the understanding of how God works in his kingdom, his upside-down kingdom that we still wrestle with. David Fitch said this, the sacrament of being with children is a social sacrament that brings together community with God. We have seemingly lost this in the church today and must recover it for the mission of God in the world. And we are taking steps towards that, continuing to be stretched and to grow. Here's one step. So we welcome and we set a place at the table. We consider needs. We honor them and value them as we seek to honor all of God's people and all who would be drawing near to Jesus wherever they are at in the journey of faith. Now, in the next chapter, I said keep your thumb into Mark 10, and we'll skip, we'll skip over a couple passages. Maybe we'll come back to them likely in the weeks ahead. Jesus doubles down on the value of children in an even more intense and emotional way because the disciples are not getting it. In Mark 10, 14, he says to his disciples, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. And it is that forceful. There's two imperatives in there I'll mention in a moment. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter into it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. The disciples were annoyed that the children were running around and disrupting the gathering. See, in, in that society, children didn't have a place. They needed to be marginalized, removed to the side, and silenced. They were noisy and disruptive. And Jesus said, let them come. And, and that word is actually imperative. Bring them, invite them in. The disciples' natural response to their cultural values and norms bound them from seeing this. I cut off the first part of verse 14. Maybe you see it if you look down at your, your scripture. And depending on your translation, it's a very harsh word. The NIV, I think, gets it pretty, pretty accurate. When Jesus saw this, that the disciples were restricting access from the children and the parents that were bringing them and saying, no, they're disrupting what Jesus is going to do. Jesus was indignant. This is notable. Only a few times do we see the emotion of Jesus in a righteously angry kind of way. Think of the temple and flipping the tables. This is the only time in the Gospels that Jesus is said to be indignant. This, this frustrated him like nothing else that we see recorded in the Scripture. It was probably multifaceted. 
But the, the, the dismissal and denying of the little ones, that was his whole ministry and mission. And his indignance to the disciples for not getting it. You notice that just that contrast between Mark 9 and Mark 10. Mark 9, the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest. Jesus could have taken offense at that. Of course, he doesn't. He sat down with them, pause, sit down, gathered them to himself, and taught them like little children. Here, one chapter later, maybe, maybe some weeks and months, but long enough for them to have applied this lesson, they don't get it. He is indignant. So not just that their action, but probably their slowness. We see that in other places throughout Mark. Their slowness to perceive the kingdom when he's been modeling it day in and day out and teaching it on the road, on the hillside, on the mountain, on the boat, everywhere else. And they're so slow to perceive and to gather. How often do my kids say to me, Dad, you don't have to be so frustrated with us. I'm indignant, maybe. <laughs> Inaccurate portrayal. Uh, and I say, I wasn't the first time we had this conversation. But now I'm indignant and I'm just following the ways of Jesus. In full composure. I mean, they're pastor's kids, so you, you know we need a community. Please help us, Lord, be gracious to us as we raise up our kids. So much room to grow in patience and humility. And we better be hesitant before we apply the indignance of Jesus as if we could be righteously angry at the very same things that he is righteously angry. Then we would be perfect in every way and in control of our tongue, as James says. But this does incense Jesus, and that is notable and worth looking at when we think of the greater context of what he had come to develop and, and create in the kingdom of God to bring it to earth and model it for all peoples. Jesus makes space always for the overlooked, the ignored, the marginalized, the oppressed. And he says, let them all come in. The kingdom of heaven belongs to these. He flings open the gates to all peoples in all places at all times by saying, these children have the same access to me and will be blessed by me because they are drawing near. For all who draw near and desire to be with me and be blessed by me, you are welcome. Come. That's our posture. That's the ministry of Jesus. And that's the posture that we must take as a community and as a church. We will strive for it and always struggle with it because we, like the disciples, will have to battle our flesh and our social cultural norms that would deny the last and the least a place and a voice. We even overlook where we don't even know we're overlooking. And it's easy when it's children, often those in wheelchairs too, that are at a different level, we overlook literally. May we elevate, give place, and give voice. And at a table, the elevation changes to eye to eye. We are welcoming all peoples. Verse 15 has become and is maybe becoming a theme for me in 2022. We'll see how it flows out. I invite you to wrestle with this as well. Could this be a theme for 2022? I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. That's a, another just powerful statement. In the midst of so many powerful statements, sometimes we can just kind of move on. But this one, I mean, to say, to say it any stronger, I, I, I think is, is not possible 
Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. We tend to focus on so many, so many right teachings, good teachings, and, and this isn't the only word in Scripture about walking into the kingdom and receiving it and confessing sin and repenting and turn, all things that we rightly focus on, but this one doesn't get much attention, I think, in the broad scope of what it means to live in and walk in the kingdom. To not have childlike faith we cannot walk in the kingdom of God. Immediately convicting, immediately surface applications, but I believe deep enough and rich enough for some, to, to, to meditate on and consider throughout this coming year to grow in childlike faith. What is great about children that is often lost as we grow up? There's your question to discuss. Thank you. There's your question to discuss, and then I'll, I'll take some feedback. We want to create an interaction time. So kids, too, we ask you, what is great about kids that you don't see in adults and grown-ups? It seems to be lost or restricted or changed. So take a couple moments. Engage with your family or with just one another next to you, or just consider, and then I'll call for some response. My kids got up and left the room right before I asked that question. So good modeling, good. It's, I've got a few things. Of course, I had the chance to dwell on this or consider this for a moment. So I'll mention a few. I'm sure they're ones that you had as well. But the ones I don't mention, please, I'll invite you to, to share. I think often, as we're focusing on their faith, their quickness to receive and to trust, their hope, their joy, like at least with my kids, they, they, just, they laugh at anything and everything, which I often try to shut down, convicted by that. Their vulnerability, their curiosity, and those two often come together, right, with just, I'll ask anything, I'll share anything, here's what I'm thinking. No filter. A filter can be a good thing, too, of course, as we, as we grow. Their willingness to uh, speak up, to question their ideas and their thoughts as they formulate it and they process it. They're constantly learning, they're constantly adapting, they're constantly growing. Those are things, all of these things can be things that dwindle or get lost as we, as we grow up. They, they make plenty of mistakes and stumbles and take it in stride. They keep doing the same activities that are going to, that just created a bruise, they're going to do it again. And we tend to not even start those things. That we've, you know, we slow down in our, in our cautiousness. They have fun, they play easily, they imagine deeply, and they don't seem to take themselves too seriously. That comes as they get older and older, right? They, they, they rarely dwell on what others out there think. As they get, as, and maybe they start to become aware of what, what do the people right here, right now think? But that only comes as age comes, so maybe that back to innocence, Aaron. Other, other things that come to mind or reinforce or say a different way something that, that I mentioned, feel free to call it out. Yeah. 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 Thank you. It's good. Good. Thank you. Good. Others. Yeah, Bob. Yeah. Silliness, just play, lightheartedness, yeah, good. Other things, did the kids come up with anything? What do you think is good about kids that you don't see very much in parents? 
or grown-ups. Creativity. Hmm. Cuddling. Closeness. Desire for touch. Love language. Care. Another one, two. Thanks for engaging with participation and a question and a thinking. We would do well to welcome more of these kinds of characteristics into our lives in the coming year, to meditate, to consider, to pray, God, where, where, where many things are good as we grow up and develop and learn. What things, when Jesus says, unless you receive the kingdom like one of these children, childlike faith, attitude, character, you, you can never walk into it. To say it a different way, for, for those that come to the kingdom believing they, they have a right to it, they've achieved something by their own worldly position or prestige or accomplishment or learning or knowledge, something they've done, who they are, their, their heritage. Anyone that comes that thinks that puts them further ahead in the line to the kingdom of God is furthest from it and may never enter into it. Only those that know that they have no other standing to come into the kingdom of the holy God other than as a son or a daughter, a child brought in by the Father, just as Jesus has come, do not restrict them, bring them to me, welcome them. And he takes them in his arms and blesses them. This is the upside down kingdom. And for those of us with power or privilege or affluence or all three, we will continuously need to fight against this belief that we are further ahead in line. We may not say that because we know Jesus says the last will be first and the first will be last, but in our, in our inner being, how quick we are to judge and put ourselves as at least better than those people, more righteous, more holy, more accomplished, more knowledgeable, more right than those in God's kingdom, we will never enter into it. It is not the ways of the kingdom of God. Humility, service, sacrifice, childlike faith is the ways of the kingdom of God. And daily, daily we will do this work to put to death our fleshly desire and arrogance as we saw in Mark 8 some other strong words from Jesus. Mark 8, 34. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross. The account in Luke says daily, likely to emphasize that we're not talking about going, going to our own literal crucifixion, but daily taking up the willingness to die to follow Jesus, to put to death all things, to give all things. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will see it saved. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? We will never arrive and be finished with the work of walking in and receiving the kingdom of God. We must repeat it daily. And that's perhaps a, a tangent or another ser sermon. But Jesus says those who would receive the kingdom like a gift, not take it, not earn it, but receive it simply for what it is, to see it rightly. So we look to our children, not only welcoming them, as Jesus says we should, 
So out of obedience, and not only just to honor them, but because it is good for us. It is good for all of us because God already sees us as children. We would rightly join him in that perspective and receive his kingdom in childlike faith. Receive his presence by welcoming the children in our midst and being willing to learn from them. They apparently have much to teach us about walking in the kingdom if Jesus says, unless we receive it like that, we will not walk in it. We will not know it. There are no grown-ups in God's kingdom, only children. May 2022 be a year that we grow closer to Jesus in every way. Look what he does for these children. As I said, and I hinted at, the NIV is too passive. Let the little children come to me. There's two imperatives. Bring them, invite them, and then a negative. Do not hinder them. Do not prevent them. Bring them. And he gathers them up in his arms and blesses them. The touch of Jesus throughout Mark is, a, is, a, is another theme that kind of runs through the story. Mark wants us to see that Jesus is here. God himself is here. He is real. He's in the flesh, and he touches not only that, but as the great priest, he is holy, and his holiness extends to all places and all peoples. He doesn't become defiled like an earthly priest who would touch a bleeding woman, a dead body, a leper, a blind man, and be defiled and therefore not be able to perform the duties in the temple. Jesus touches each one and heals. His holiness, his righteousness extends out and the same thing here, when he brings the children and places hands on them to bless them, it's closeness, it's intimacy, where there would have been, for any other priest or rabbi, distance to children. They were not welcome to draw near. It, was a, it would have been an affront to their position. Jesus welcomes them, brings them in, and blesses them, declares them holy, righteous, and clean. You have a few tangible opportunities some of you are already engaged in these, as these are our practices. One, welcome our children as they come. Welcome the presence of Jesus when you are with them, when you serve in our kids' ministry. And for those who haven't, we have space for you. We're not doing this on, on sun, the first Sundays of the month until we can recruit enough volunteers to staff our class at all times. We are doing this intentionally for an indefinite amount of time, we'll see as we proceed to honor and to welcome and reinforce the value of family, that our kids are with us in all things. But we do invite you. We do have room to serve amongst our kids. And maybe that perspective shift is all that's needed. Maybe it's a total stretch for you. Maybe you've put in your time in kids' ministry because that's what the church needed at the time. This perspective shift of the ministry of Jesus may be exactly what we all need to hear. That by being with children, by welcoming them and receiving them, Maybe on the floor in the toddler room for those that can still get on the floor and up off the floor. Maybe being a helper or even a teacher. By welcoming kids, not just as a chore to care for those here, but to say, I'm welcoming the presence of Jesus for me. Yes, I get to serve and bless, but this is, I get to receive something significant that Jesus says will happen. The kingdom of God will come in that place. Sponsor a child with one child or another, to see the last and the least, to give and to share. I know many of you have, and encourage them and bless them. What is God asking for us to do? To walk with him daily. 
And again, I, I plug Sky Jatani's daily walk, walk with God that you can connect with as well that many of us, I think, are going to do together for the coming year to continue to be reminded of who we are because of who God is, to see ourselves as his sons and as his daughters, dearly loved, and to receive the kingdom with childlike faith. Whoever welcomes a little one in my name welcomes me. There I am with you. God, we welcome you here. We know you're here, but help us to know your presence by the power and fruit of your spirit. Grant us tangible expressions of love, joy, peace, and more. Thank you for our children and childlike faith. Help us to receive your kingdom like them. Amen.